the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. The biggest barrier to wider crypto adoption is fear that the boat has sailed. One company that's done perhaps more than any other to bring crypto to the attention of South Africans is Luno which celebrates its 10th anniversary this year. It's got 5 million customers in South Africa and 12 million around the world. Now, that's a pretty respectable growth given the wildly fluctuating performance of cryptos over the last decade, not to mention some spectacular scams such as Mirror Trading International and AfriCrypt that scared off many would-be investors. What we've learned about crypto adoption over this period, and more specifically, what do we know about those who so far show no interest in cryptos? We know that it's male-dominated. We know also that it's changing ever so slowly in terms of demographics, and that crypto owners are mainly from the younger cohort. We also know that people are confused about the role of blockchain and why we need 20,000 or so cryptos. What are they there for? In the beginning, there was only one, Bitcoin. Crypto companies have come to spend a lot of time and effort over the last 10 years educating people on what this new tech is all about. Is it an investment? Is it a revolutionary technology that will upend the financial sector, as is so often being promoted? Or is it something far more embracive, like the claims made for Web3, where everything will be digital and decentralized? We're joined by Christo De Witt, who is South Africa's country manager for Luno in South Africa, to catch up on some of the latest trends and to answer some of these questions, how are we going to increase crypto adoption? Hi, Christo. It's good to have you on the MoneyWeb Crypto podcast. I think for the first time, Luno's now got 10 years of experience under its belt. Maybe you can explain what have we learned about the adopters over this period of time in terms of their demographics? What do they see as the attraction and how are you going about bringing more people into the crypto space? Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, Luno is celebrating its 10th birthday, a decade of Luno in crypto. And I mean, as we know, that's almost a lifetime with Bitcoin only launched in 2009. And I think throughout this past decade, we've seen a significant change in the demographic, in the user experience and also the user behavior of people who are buying cryptos. I think if we look back at the early adopters, you know, they were crypto natives, they got in first, and they were almost kind of the biggest defenders of the industry in the early days. We do find that some of these early adopters tend to be Bitcoin maximalists, where they're very bullish on on Bitcoin, and and that they believe that Bitcoin is the be-all and end-all of all cryptocurrencies. But as we go through, or as we went through these various crypto cycles, you know, with the, the upturns and the downturns, We've seen changes in the user behavior and the demographic of people getting on board. And I think with every upturn and every kind of bull run that we see in the market, there's quite significant adoption in terms of more mass market awareness around cryptos. And as you mentioned in your intro, we see that the the average age of people getting on board tends to become younger and younger with every upcycle. We see a greater spread towards, you know, female adoption as well in the early days it was largely male dominated so we are seeing currently also a bigger kind of balance in that sense 
And I think also, you know, what will continue on with the greater adoption of crypto is just making it more accessible and understandable for everyday people. Okay, so what do you see as the way to further adoption for cryptos? I mean, your success, I think, in the early years, you were a pioneer in the space and there was a lot of education that you had to do. You had to explain what is the blockchain. You had to explain what is Bitcoin. So how do you do that to increase adoption from this point on? I think education will remain a pivotal cornerstone of what we do in driving further awareness on the industry. We still have to explain what the blockchain is. We still have to explain what the use case and the importance, the relevance of cryptocurrencies are, because we have not yet seen that large scale mass adoption, even though we've seen significant growth over the past 10 years. Crypto is by no means a mass market product just yet. It's not been as widely adopted as other broader financial products and services. So we need to continue on driving that awareness and education. I think another thing that we need to pay specific attention to is also playing our part in stopping uh, misinformation or, or FUD, as we like to call it. FUD stands for you know fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That is very commonplace whenever we see any kind of shakeups in the industry. You know, we like to always kind of uh, reference there's this thing on the internet called the, the Bitcoin death index. And it kind of tracks every time the media or, or commentators speculate that Bitcoin has died. And I think since its inception, Bitcoin has been declared dead almost 500 times, but it's never died. So I think continuously driving that education and awareness around the use case for cryptocurrency, the value that it offers, but also the safety that a platform such as Luna offers in terms of creating a safe space for consumers to buy cryptocurrency and dabble into the industry. I think also what we've seen over the past few months developed quite rapidly in South Africa is the regulatory frameworks. And this over the last year or so has gotten the most attention from the, the crypto industry globally. And I think having a much clearer picture on what that regulatory framework looks like, not only in South Africa, but also globally, will also help drive this awareness and adoption. I mean, I said in the beginning that you've got uh, 12 million customers around the world, 5 million in South Africa. That's pretty good growth over a decade. But how many of those people are active on a monthly basis? Or a lot of these people, they, they're just hodlers. They bought a bit of Bitcoin and they're holding on to it and they don't trade very often. Well, what are the stats on that? So there's a few things or a few ways I think we can unpack that. One of our key measures is to track the engagement that we see on our platform. And at the moment, we currently see around 255,000 South Africans logging in actively, you know, using the Luno platform on a weekly basis. So this doesn't necessarily mean that they are actively trading or buying or selling crypto, but it means that they're actually logging in checking the market, checking the movements, and kind of seeing what their assets and investments are doing. And I think that also indicates a greater uh, kind of habit and movement towards far greater adoption. But as you mentioned, there's various use cases for crypto. I think also, depending on when certain people bought their crypto, I mean, that also dictates kind of their behavior and their pattern. If we look at the previous bull run with the run up to November 2021, when Bitcoin hit a high of $69,000, 
A lot of people got on board. A lot of people bought crypto. And I think a lot of those consumers are still holding on to their crypto at the moment because obviously with the market price coming down since then. Then that we see, you know, many other traders, you know, there's a, a lot of arbitrage traders actively transacting on the platform. The frequency and the volume of this is also indicative of market movements and the volatility in the markets. But for the most part, what is encouraging is we're seeing a continuous growth in our returning customers, continuous growth in active customers engaging with our platform on a weekly basis. And that is very positive signals for us. All right, arbitrage being people who are presumably buying Bitcoin overseas and selling it on the Luno platform because there's usually a price differential there of maybe 2% or so? Yeah, exactly. So so customers who are trading between platforms, not necessarily only overseas, but obviously with local platforms as well, as there can be some slight differences in the listing price of these assets. And these traders usually incorporate certain algorithms to enable these trades and then taking advantage of even such slight price differences between the various platforms. Okay, now are people confused with the arcane language of crypto? You've got terms like blockchain and hash rate and censorship resistance and decentralization. These are quite unique to the the crypto space. It often feels like the crypto community is talking to a small bubble of people without reaching outside that bubble. Are people having trouble with this? Even people in the industry sometimes have trouble keeping track with all the new developments. It's a very novel industry, continuously developing with new innovations coming up almost daily. So so these terms and terminology, you know, yes, I think for an average, you know, the average Joe outside and not familiar with the crypto industry, it can be daunting. It can be quite unfamiliar. But at the same time, I think it's important that we keep mentioning these terms, you know, re- referencing blockchain and explaining what the blockchain is using terms like decentralization and how that is different from the current financial system that we all um, ascribe to. I think that's very important. So, yes, there might be a small bubble of people at the moment that has full understanding of all of these terms. But at the same time, just this morning, I read a research paper released by the FSCA of a survey that they recently did. And the majority of their respondents to the survey referenced that they currently have a lack of understanding of traditional investment terminology. So I don't think it's isolated just to the crypto industry. I think in the broader financial context, there's a lack of understanding of broad-based understanding of kind of what these investment products are. And I think the crypto or the Web3 industry is no different. All right, now I prefaced this discussion by saying the biggest barrier to wider crypto adoption is fear that the boat has sailed. In other words, the crypto prices have gone up uh, very, very fast and very high at times, but it's also very volatile. There is a perception, however, that cryptos are an ideal tool for scammers. And I think this may be keeping a number of people away. I mean, Mirror Trading International was a homegrown scam that made international headlines where the victims had to convert their funds into Bitcoin and then send it off to Mirror Trading, which then made it apparently just disappear. People hear this, they don't always understand that Bitcoin itself cannot be hacked or defrauded. It's only when you move Bitcoin outside of the blockchain that you're exposed to risk. So do people understand this and has this hurt the adoption in the industry? I know you've also had to deal with scams like mirror trading and educate people about that. But maybe just talk around that. 
Yeah, I think this is a very, very relevant point. It's something that I'm very passionate about in driving scam and fraud awareness. And absolutely, it has hurt the industry significantly, especially locally. You know, both MTI and Africa, which you reference, have been some of the biggest scandals globally in the industry, and they were homegrown scandals. I think the important thing there is to understand, and as you mentioned, yes, Bitcoin in itself, as it operates on the Bitcoin blockchain, is impenetrable, right? It's not possible to be hacked and it hasn't been hacked. But as you rightfully mentioned, as soon as that crypto or that Bitcoin is moved from that blockchain to third party players, that there's a certain risk involved. But then there's also the foul intent of many bad actors that we find that kind of capitalize on very vulnerable people with the promise of, you know, unrealistic high returns. And that's where, you know, these scammers come in. And then unfortunately, they do tend to use platforms such as Luno as a vehicle to drive that. And, um, you know, we have put very, very strict and stringent security measures in place. We try our best to educate customers as, as possible on scam awareness and not to fall victim, not to send their crypto from their Luno account to any other party that they, they have not met or trust or that they're not comfortable with. And I think that's something that not only in the crypto industry, but globally in the broader financial spectrum is also a very big problem. But yes, I think scams play a very, very large part in driving kind of the negative connotation to the industry. I think the scams that we've seen over the past few years has also been the instigator in kind of um, speeding up the need for regulation and the need for the crypto industry to fall under that broader regulatory framework that we've now seen in South Africa. I think if we look back at the early 90s, I think we all can remember the, the master bond scandal, right? And that was such a significant pivotal turning point for the financial services industry in South Africa that also kind of fast-tracked the need for better regulation and better controls for financial services provider. And the crypto industry is no different. Luna has focused its business model around making it simple for people to acquire Bitcoin. So, the, you know, the platform is quite easy to use, but you haven't gone for a wide variety of cryptos like some of your, your competitors. Um, that might have lost you some customers, I would imagine, such as those interested in trading, you know, people who want to be in and out in a day, sort of the day traders. Uh, has that cost you much, the fact that you've got, opted for a very simple limited range of cryptos rather than a wide variety? Yeah, I think there's a few ways we can unpack this. You know, when Luna first started, we, we started under the name BitX. We had the same mission we have now, and that's to put the power of crypto in everybody's hands. But we didn't necessarily want to do that all in one go. We started off only with Bitcoin, creating a simple user interface for people to buy and sell Bitcoin. And we were also the first platform in South Africa to enable South Africans to buy Bitcoin with South African rands. At the time, we needed to find a balance between market expansion, customer growth, and you know just remaining on track in reaching our mission. But from the onset, we have always been the anti-hype platform. You know, we never, like you mentioned, we never got on board with listing all the coins available. As you mentioned in your intro, there's more than 20,000 cryptocurrencies available at present. In Luna at the moment, we have listed 13 with just yesterday, we, we launched another stable coin called USDT. And we are taking a very 
slow and steady approach to listing coins. And the reason for this is we don't want our customers to get caught in the hype. We want them to make responsible decisions with their investments. We want to make sure that we educate them thoroughly on both the pros, the cons, and the risks involved of all the, the coins. And then also with the other products and features that we list is taking a more responsible approach there and really meeting our customers where they are, looking at the demand, looking at the macroeconomic conditions and factors, and also looking at, you know, as we spoke earlier, that broader adoption. And if our consumer market is ready and in a position to adopt well to these features. And I think this is something that will continue. We have seen over the past year that we are releasing more coins in greater succession, and we will continue to do so in the next few months. And the reason why we, I think, not able to do this is because we've laid such a solid foundation of finding that balance between market demand versus what we can offer as a platform to give a very great or a great user experience. Okay, you mentioned that you were the first uh, crypto exchange in South Africa to enable people to buy Bitcoin with RANDs. Give us some of the other highlights of the last decade. I think there's been quite a few. I think if we look back just our growth trajectory over the last decade, our journey to 1 million customers took five years and then reaching 5 million customers following that only took one year. And I think that's quite significant. And together with that growth obviously comes putting in place the right teams and the teams on the ground to facilitate, obviously, you know, dealing with such a great customer demand. I think when we look back at also our market expansion, that's definitely a highlight. Like we mentioned, homegrown South African exchange, and we expanded to Nigeria, Malaysia, Europe, and other markets in APAC as well. That's quite significant. If we look at our Malaysian market, we were the first exchange in Malaysia to be fully licensed by the regulator. And then I think one of the greatest kind of highlights that really shaped you know, the way that we operate as a business must have been the bull run of 2021, where it was such a crazy time and a lot, a lot of products and services were kind of pushed in to meet the customer demand. I think now hitting 12 million global customers, celebrating a decade in the industry and just building on this growth for the next decade is something that I look forward to the most. I mean, if you go back to 2017, when you had that that huge bull run, uh, that was the one before the 2021 bull run, a lot of the exchanges around the world encountered this bottleneck. They they had so many people jumping on board, they just couldn't handle the KYC, the know your customer routine. I would imagine that was something that you had to gear up for. And I know that earlier this year, you laid off something like 300 staff. So you downscaled a little bit. Is this just a feature? We see this happening in the stockbroking community a lot as well. During bull markets, uh, when things are going well, they're hiring and then they're very quickly firing. Is Can we expect the same kind of thing happening in the crypto space? You know, I think as an industry and being part of the broader tech industry, we've kind of seen this as a, as a global of trend and happening over the last 12 months or so. I think one thing that I can say about Luno is, you know, we take our compliance security measures quite seriously. And, and unfortunately, earlier this year, when we had to go through that staff reduction process, we did not change or kind of touched our compliance, security and risk 
segments of the business because it's so crucial. I think also coming in uh, out of these significant bull markets, you know, we've also gotten a lot smarter and more efficient as a business and finding those efficiencies to still scale even with a smaller team is something that, you know, we've gotten really good at. I think we obviously, I don't think this will be a trend for, for Luna going forward. You know, we really just want to double down on finding the best fit in terms of team size versus scaling up. And I think that's been a crucial lesson over the last 10 years as well. Okay, finally, Christo, what's next for Luno? I mean, you've talked about uh, the the rate of growth accelerating. Do you see that continuing to happen? Uh, And I guess let's just confine it to the next year or two because looking five years into the future is becoming more difficult. Absolutely. I think even looking two years in the future, Karen, for for the crypto industry is quite difficult. But for Luno, I think the current trajectory that we're on, what we would focus on in future is just doubling down on building a great product, enhancing our product, making sure that our user experience is top of class and the best in the industry. I think continuing on working with regulators and finding the best fit for positioning our product within a regulatory space. I think that's definitely something that we can see evolving more over the next two years or so. And just finding the balance between providing a sensible product that, as I mentioned earlier, meets our customers where they are and those demands. And I think that's what's next for Luna is really just doubling down on what we've built and continuing the momentum and growth. Christo De Witt, Country Manager for Luna South Africa. We're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, Christo. Thanks so much, Karen. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.